This podcast episode from Oncology Data Advisor was recorded live at the 2023 American Society of Hematology annual meeting in San Diego. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit oncdata.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on social media for more exclusive content and interviews from the meeting. Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. Today we're here at the ASH annual meeting and I'm joined by Dr. Adrian Mosquera. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. To start off, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in your work? Yeah, so I'm a clinical hematologist at Spain and I, I devote all, most of my time to the treatment of patients with um, lymphoma and CLL, but also uh, specialized in the application of genomic and flow cytometry to clinical decision making. So through these um, data-dense approaches, we ended up in the development of a research team which is fully focused on artificial intelligence for different applications in the clinical decision-making through the integration of imaging, flow cytometry, uh, genomics, and also clinical data into the uh, modeling strategy of out clinical outcomes. So we actually are very interested in uh, data-driven hematology and this needs a lot of uh, approaches that use AI, artificial intelligence, or, or particularly machine learning. Awesome. Um, so we're talking today about um, your study on harnessing machine learning and histological subtype for enhanced MCL prognostication of survival. Um, so for a little bit of background about this, would you like to tell us about the MEPI, the MCL International Prognostic Index, um, how it's currently used in MCL, as well as what limitations it has? Yeah, so um, the, the MIPI score is actually a great score because uh, it, it is a, a quantitative regression-based uh, model and it provides patient-level statistics. So it's being one of the few places where in hematology where a good score has been developed in this way. Uh, and um, this score uh, also, obviously, um, at uh, this moment is not being used for risk-adapted therapy. So in the future, maybe with the advent of BDK inhibitors upfront, we may be more persuaded to use these kind of scores to uh, uh, do a treatment-adapted uh, or risk-adapted strategy for MCL patients. So the, this score uh, can also be uh, used to clusterize patients in, the, in different groups of risk, as many scores do, but the advantage actually is that you can also derive a patient level statistic. And uh, limitations is that um, obviously um, it doesn't incorporate, for example, histological data. And we know that histology, uh, histological subtype is very important. It doesn't incorporate other molecular markers of high risk, such as TP53. So overall, no score is uh, definite. You just need to keep improving the scores over time with uh, more additional data and also with more uh, contextual data. So uh, as the scores are developed and new treatments appear, the scores lose some value. So you need to retrain the scores towards um, uh, a new context of therapeutic uh, uh, approaches available in the clinical practice. So that's a great overview. That's great for helping to understand. Um, so I'm excited to learn more about the model uh, you, you and your team developed. Um, how did you decide to approach, um, you know, exploring these limitations via machine learning? Yeah, so uh, 
this was a combined uh, effort by different uh, hospitals in Spain that gather information from MCL patients and, and then from a, a, a hospital in Taiwan who shared data for, for external validation in, in a very different clinical context, okay? And uh, our, our strategy was to evaluate if we could further refine the MIPI score, not change it, but refine it with more information. And in this case, we ended up with a model that, aside from the MIPI groups, included age and histological subtype as a part of, of the prognostic, as an independent part of the prognostication. So we integrated it through a machine learning analysis. And the benefit of this is that we ended up with quantitative uh, scores that can be used at the patient level, uh, not at the not in clusters or group level. So this is interesting because it helps us refining uh, groups of patients who are actually of, of higher or lower risk. And obviously in the future, we may need to add some other information. For example, TP53 mutation, which we know is important in MCL, and also uh, histological variables or gene expression signatures. But the more complex you make the model, the less applicable it is. So uh, in this case, using this very simple data, uh, which is based almost on uh, um, diagnostic, uh, standard diagnostic uh, um, uh, routine, uh, makes this kind of approach more widely uh, usable, even in uh, lower income, middle income, or, and also high income countries. That's fascinating that you know it can be used in all those all those different settings. Definitely, because I have the feeling that we tend to do uh, medicine for uh, high-income countries because we are biased towards our uh, imminent environment. Or, uh, and but we need to think that there are lots of countries where they uh, most of the human population is living actually, and and they need. Uh, usable uh, models for, for their patients. Actually, we collaborate a lot with Latin American countries in different projects, not just in MCL, but other disorders. And uh, the, they like to become part of the validation or even training of their models in their uh, clinical context. And this is important because at the end, what you want is to benefit as, ma as many patients as possible and make uh, treatments affordable by being capable of uh, directing more expensive therapies to patients who really need it. Absolutely. So it's not only you know just developing these technologies, making them accessible to yeah. you know to everybody. Yeah. yeah so technology. Uh, I mean, every technological uh, advance has as a drawback inequality uh, in its access. And one way uh, machine learning can help is by reducing this inequality through creating uh, systems for advanced diagnostics, prognostication, drug response prediction that can help us do uh, personalized uh, or precision medicine without the need of very complex data. Yes, absolutely. So how um, effective uh, did the, the model prove to be and uh, how, is it, how is it working so far? So uh, the model is, uh, a, a, a has been validated in, in another Spanish hospital cohort and in, Ta in a Taiwanese cohort and we actually observed a high accuracy which was superior to the MIPI score, which is normal because we are incorporating uh, another variable which is a histological subtype. And this variable actually adds independent 
prognostic value. So now uh, another group uh, from our collaborating, uh, from our environment has also uh, uh, used the same data to create another model uh, for POD24 prediction. So these patients who have early relapsed, we know are, they are of, uh, of, the, of very high risk, but uh, the problem is that you only know the patient is of high risk when he or she relapses. And the idea is to predict that. And, and the same strategy with a very similar model and uh, a few uh, variables, uh, which also include histological subtype, has been presented here at ASH, and it's promising to uh, probably risk stratify patients in early relapse and late relapse, and maybe do clinical trials on the, uh, with more intensive approaches in, in patients who are actually of high, of very high risk. Yes. Um, so what are your uh, next steps uh, that are planned for the model? So uh, the next steps, well, I think it's always to, to refine it and, and, and validate it in newer cohorts of patients and test how the, it behaves in different clinical trials. We are involved as many other researchers in clinical trials that try to get rid of autologous stem cell transplantation or even reduce chemotherapy as much as possible by adding uh, venetoclax, uh, anti-CD20 antibodies or BTK inhibitors combined in the backbone of the treatment. Uh, and, and this probably uh, will need uh, refinement of the models because once you change the treatment with different molecules then the, the, the risk uh, the risk uh, uh, will change, actually, and you need to adapt models constantly to that. This ha has happened in many disorders, and, and we know that you probably are not just high risk. It, you might be high risk for a therapy, but standard or low risk for another therapy. So what would be nice is to be capable of entering or uh, um, navigating through the data of, of these advanced clinical trials, and I don't know if that's going to be possible, but uh, making uh, predictors with those data would be great. Yeah. And um, actually, we are also very interesting now uh, with real-world data that we have at our institution to apply machine learning to histological data, but not histological human-based classifications, but the raw image of the biopsy, the raw image of the PET CT, and the um, molecular signatures based on gene expression profiling that we have developed at our institution, so we can maybe improve the prognostication much, much, uh, through, particularly by the biological perspective of the disease, because these patients sometimes the, the risk actually that we model is not just related to the disease, but also to the global uh, condition of the patient. I mean, the age, comorbidities, etc., impact, mortality. But it's also interesting to know to what extent uh, a patient is likely to die early due to the lymphoma and not due to other comorbidities that he or she may have. So this is uh, refining the biological compartment and giving a, a high-risk biological signature would be of, of the utmost value for, for MCL. So there are some approaches, for example, the MCL 
35 uh, gene expression signature is over there. The problem for MCL is it, it's difficult to do um, molecular tests that are available particularly for this condition because it's quite rare. So um, in, in our case we've developed a, a signature form, a DLBCL, which is a widely uh, 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 diagnosed lymphoma and uh, we observed that it is also predictive of response in mantle cell lymphoma. So we are working on standardization of this test so it may be used in clinical practice in the coming years. Great, amazing. Um, this is fascinating to hear about and it'll be so exciting to see you know, all, all the ways these avenues are explored in the future. Um, anything else you'd like to mention about your research? Oh yeah, actually, uh, I mean um, we, we are very concerned about the need for data-driven approaches in, in medicine, so reducing a little bit our uh, decisions based on experience and uh, augmenting our capacity of, of predicting outcomes and refining treatments through data-driven approaches. And uh, as this, we are very happy to work in many projects with colleagues from Europe and the United States and also Asia. And um, I think that the, the, there is a momentum for AI uh, in medicine. There is a growing interest to, uh, to guide treatments by risk profiles. Uh, pharmaceutical companies are becoming more and more aware of this. And uh, actually, I think it's helping us to get rid of the idea of one fit um, one size fits all for a cancer treatment and rather we are moving towards a more precision medicine uh, approach which will need a lot of AI obviously and um, we are fully committed to help in this uh, uh, transformation and uh, we are now working on very insightful projects uh, in, for example in myeloma and we, us, we hope that in the coming three or four years, we'll have available tools, advanced tools that are based on artificial intelligence to uh, guide therapies in some uh, hematological tumors. Yeah. Amazing. Well, this is fascinating to hear about. So thank you so much for stopping by today to tell us all about your research. Ah, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure.